0: All right, everybody, welcome to the Nick Biddle Life and Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Nick Biddle, and my lovely bride, Trina, is here again today. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good today.
0: Yeah? Yep. So, talk to me about what you're wearing. Why? Well, (laughs) because, I mean, I know I said we are not doing a uh, video podcast, but thank goodness. So, what (laughs) what is... uh, what what is that skirt you have on? Hey,
1: this is my walking skirt. It's I'm not gonna get run over on a dirt road. Construction yellow
0: walking skirt. Yeah, construction yellow. That is is that your color wheel?
1: No, of course not. It's in my safety color wheel. Wow,
0: that thing. I mean, I think that thing will attract mosquitoes.
1: It probably will, but it will be perfect for my walk.
0: All right, you're always getting onto me for what I wear, but that's true. So, people, those of you that have had me out at my, my workshops and stuff, I mean, I pretty much wear the same thing every day. Yeah. But I think everything in my wardrobe matches everything in my wardrobe. Yes. Like When we first got started, I had an opinion about what I wore, but I don't have a great sense of style or can even tell if stuff matches. It Neither can Cruz. Poor guy. <laughs> He's got a lot of gifts. Matching clothes, probably not one of them.
1: But he cares about his sense of style.
0: He cares. But maybe he should care less. <laughs> but, uh, but no, he's, yep. he's getting better. But for me, I, would, I will pick out my favorite pair of pants and my favorite shirt, and I'll put them on. And the problem is when I would go out and let's say I've got a company I'm working with for a week. Come last day of the week, I'm putting on the last two items in my suitcase, and they don't match. <laughs> and so one day we decided everything I own has to match everything I own. Yep. And so we are very deliberate about
1: mm-hmm. that. And it's worked very well.
0: It's worked For very a well. a lot of years. <laughs> 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 I remember one, I don't remember where I was. It was years ago, but it had been a long week. And and so I just took a selfie and sent it to Trina and just said, hey, you know, been a long week. Miss you. See you a little later, you know. <laughs> and, and then I turned my phone off and I get out of my workshop and, you have these lots of text. It's like, is that what you're wearing? What? Please tell me that's not what you're wearing. <laughs> and yeah, oh yeah, I wore it. I wore it. <laughs> yeah, but it's all good. It's all good. So last week we launched our first episode of the Life and Leadership podcast, and I just wanna just wanna talk a little bit about how that was. You know, we've we've never really done anything like that before, and so from your perspective. How uh, how did that how did that go? What were your emotions? What did you what did you hear? Talk to me in that construction yellow skirt.
1: <laughs> Why don't you say first?
0: Well, I mean, for me, I was nervous because what if it's not any good? You know, my, my, my mentor buddy, Mark LeBlanc, he he talks in his teachings. And, and he's been coaching me for 12 years. At least. At least. Before, before, before I.
1: Yeah, before. Yeah, I bet we're closer to 15.
0: Before I started getting paid.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <And>, yes. <laughs>
0: and he is responsible for pretty much everything good I've done. He's had his hand in. Uh, all the books I've written, he's named, um, my programs, you know, he, he helped me develop the four core competencies and, 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 and I rarely make a decision that I don't run through him first. Mm-hmm. And when I do make a decision that I don't run through him first, I usually have to remake that decision. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's just got a great, uh, he's got a great perspective. There, there's something, something magical about having somebody in your corner that doesn't have a dog in the fight. They just don't have the emotion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that's, you know, his gift is just really being able to dissect somebody's business and, and really see what's working, what's not. and but uh, But he talks about these four traps a lot. And if I can pull these four traps up oh let me see we're not
1: supposed to have our phones in the studio I know
0: I don't have it it's it actually is in the studio and it's not on airplane mode so it might ring but uh the four traps that he's he's taught me about I should know off the top of my head but the first one's comparison trap you know Mm -hmm. we we compare ourselves to other people and how often do we fall in the comparison trap and and I remember when we talked about doing a podcast I'm like well this isn't going to be as good as theirs. Mm-mm. You know, the other one is the belief trap and that that's that belief of of whether or not I'm good enough mm-hmm. to do something like this. The other one's a perfection trap. Mm-hmm. We want something to be perfect before we do it. And then the last one's the value trap, you know, is it worth it? Does it make sense? And and all of those can can stop us. And so I was I was I was having a lot of those when we released but got pretty good res- responses from it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that anybody's going to call and say, "Boy, Nick, that sucked." <laughs> you know, I think most people maybe some of your family would, but most people <laughs> would if they don't have anything nice, they're not going to say anything at all. Right. But what did you hear? You you probably got more responses from that first episode than I did.
1: Yeah. And I'm nervous even to respond. Well, don't name names. No, I know. But you know, I'm nervous. I've been nervous day one doing this. Um Mainly because we're sharing a lot of our life from a season even of a long time ago when we didn't live here. And um, you know, some Things are just hard. I guess I just fear judgment, and I fear, I fear being real. Yeah. And the ramifications of that.
0: Yeah, but you know, you you had you texted me some of the comments you had gotten, or some of the conversations you had, and it was you had a lot of, you had a lot of people thanking you for, for being real, mm-hmm. for be, for being a part of this, and mm-hmm. and for just being vulnerable, mm-hmm. which is hard. Did did you listen to that first episode? Yes, I did. When, and did you hear anything in there? I mean, how did it how did it sound to you?
1: It was it's just hard emotionally to listen to. Um but I'm thankful for you know where God has brought us and the things he brought us through to mold and shape us. Did into you who
0: we are. Right. And that's been a journey. Did you like listening to yourself?
1: No. That's that's no. not fun. Nobody does. No. I mean
0: I had a – I don't remember who it was. It might have been Mark. It might have been somebody else. But a speaker friend years ago said, you got to record yourself and listen to yourself. And that's the most painful thing to do. I bet. But they're like, if you're going to make your audience listen to you, (laughs) why should you be any different? Why should you be special? You should have to listen to you as well. I
1: like listening to you. Do I? I like listening to you. Well,
0: that's probably not always (laughs) the case, but, but I'll take that. One of the things I noticed, because I went back and listened to it, and my intentions – you know, we judge ourselves by our intentions. We judge others by what they actually do. Mm. And, and a lot of times I could hear my intentions and what I was saying, but it didn't come across in that episode. So, like, one of the things that I noticed right away is I threw Scott Hopkins completely under a bus – I mean,
1: did
0: you? yeah, because all I did was talk about how he brought me in and didn't pay me. And, and, and that wasn't my intention, <laughs> no. but listening to it, I was like, oh, what a jerk, Nick. I just threw him under the bus. <laughs> and, you know, what I meant to say was Scott gave me the greatest gift anybody could give me because he gave me an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And who cares that? they didn't have a budget. And, and, and and I agreed to that. I mean, I still do jobs for free. You know, uh, Mark tells me you will do jobs for one of three reasons for fee. If Mm -hmm. it's a good fee, I like those, uh, for fit, if it's a good fit client Mm -hmm. or for favor. And Mm -hmm. I still do jobs for favor, Yeah, but, uh, but for, for Scott, that was, a, uh, that was a showcase. That was an opportunity for me to, to get in front of the right people. And, and so I hope, Scott, if you're listening, if you haven't uh, deleted me out of your file of facts, that uh, <laughs> I hope you, you understood my intention, but I appreciate the opportunity that you gave me. But uh, the other thing that I heard is, is I heard that you and I, we talked about starting the podcast and how... You had had the idea three years ago, but do you remember who had the idea for me to do a podcast probably six years ago?
1: Yeah, your brother in law.
0: It's technically your brother in law. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, you don't <laughs> claim Our him either.
1: Brother in law?
0: <laughs> right. So Austin. Austin's put me in a headlock for unsuccessfully for six years <laughs> saying you should do a podcast, Nick. Yeah. Um, and that's big for a brother in law to say that. Right. So, but, uh, So, Austin, sorry I did not give you credit for that, and and I know you don't care, but um, here we are today. Yes. So, let's get on to what we're going to talk about this week. Okay. Okay, so thanks for talking about how it was to release a podcast out into the wild, but but talk to me about how, how was it to actually have this conversation with me? It
1: was good. Nick, you told us a little bit about what you do. And then how you got into this business, which the how you got into this business, for me as the wife, there's way more emotion. Well, there's emotion for both of us, but a lot of emotion I hadn't um, gone to in a while, I should say.
0: What yeah. about you? Now, I mean, we should, we should think back more often. And I'm reminded of, and I'll mess it up. There's a scene. One of my favorite movies is Cinderella Man, with uh, with with Russell Crowe, and he is uh, plays a boxer, James J. Braddock. It's a true story. Back in the Depression, and they were in the middle of the Depression, and his wife and his manager's wife are having a conversation about how how hard it is to watch their men struggle and feel like they're failing every day.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And I know during that time I felt like I was failing every day. But i got to imagine it's almost harder to watch that. Does that make any sense?
1: Yes, and, and feel helpless. I didn't know what else to do many days. Yeah. Other than pray. I didn't have the words to encourage.
0: Yeah, sometimes it's harder to watch somebody else go through something tough than than to go through it ourselves. And
1: mm-hmm. well, and but I'm so proud of you.
0: Well, thank you. I'm
1: still proud of you.
0: <laughs> we'll see that the day is young.
1: <laughs> no, but there was okay at the end. There was a piece you were mentioning San Francisco. You wanted to talk about San Francisco. Tell me about that
0: well we could uh yeah let's talk about san francisco i was thinking we'd talk about the night at the er oh what would you rather do we could do san francisco next time yeah that's a they're both tough stories but
1: yes let's do the night at the er
0: all right perfect so you remember that night oh yes how long had i been trying to find my way as a speaker at that point Quite a while. Yeah, I, I, I want to say we were probably four and a half years into it. Yes. Because Cruz was 10 months. Sure. Was he, yeah. How old was he?
1: Starting to walk, so yes.
0: 10, 11 months. So L's a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to correct me because, you know, I, I lived one side of the story, you lived the other side probably the more traumatic, and you have to tell me if I'm, if I miss something up, but, but the way I tell the story is I had been limping, limping along for a couple of years, and, and I would, I would, I would get into something, and if it didn't make any money right away, I would jump out, and I was trying to make this speaking thing work, and it was so far away from working, and we're just broke, just broke, broke, and had two kids, and we were going to my parents' house to have dinner.
1: Yeah,
0: probably because we couldn't afford probably dinner,
1: birthday dinner or something. Was something. Mm-hmm.
0: And I remember we we were eating dinner, and on the way on the way to my folks' house, you and I were having a. Oh, you were having to come to Jesus meeting with me how how broke we were and how we had all these bills coming in and mm-hmm. and, and and I remember how much money did we have to our name?
1: $808.
0: Just approximately? <laughs> yes. I think in my I think in my first book I put $1200. So that was wrong.
1: Oh, well maybe you had some money somewhere I didn't know about. No,
0: <laughs> I definitely didn't. Um <laughs> I probably had some sonic coupons I'd dug <laughs> out of a dumpster. Do you remember those days? No. When we lived in an apartment complex when we first got married. Oh. I would, yes. You know they would put all these coupons in, in those apartments.
1: The free papers.
0: Yeah, all these little That's flyers right. and there was always a there was always like one good coupon yeah. and then the rest of them were junk. Well, most people just take that junk mail in an apartment, all the mailboxes are together, and you take that junk mail, throw it in the trash.
1: Yes. And then
0: that trash goes in the dumpster. And boy when I'd find a good coupon, a buy one get one burger. Yes. I'd jump in the You'd dumpster. Grab them. I'd dig them up. <laughs> I would I would dumpster dive. I forgot about that. And remember I found a first grill in the dumpster? Do you remember that? No, it was a smoker. Remember that first smoker? Oh, yes. Dug it out of a dumpster. Yes. Yeah. It's a good one. Still have that smoker if anybody wants to come over. No. <laughs> I don't. <clears throat> I don't have that smoker anymore. No. But uh What were we talking about?
1: At your parents for dinner. We yeah, we were on couldn't our way. Couldn't
0: afford. That's right. We couldn't afford dinner. We're on the way to parents' house, and you were just kind of talking to me. It's like Nick, we're broke, and we've got all these bills, and we don't have enough money. And apparently, we had eight hundred and eight dollars to our name, and and I remember, I remember we were on Route sixty six. I remember driving, and I just said, "Sweetheart, I don't, I don't know how, but I'm going to figure something out." You and said and that how much? A lot. What's that? You
1: said that a lot. I said that a lot. Yeah. How much
0: confidence? <laughs> did you have that I was going to figure something out? You can say it.
1: (laughs) Honestly, I I would always say, I know he, I think he will, but I'm going to need to work more. Maybe I should get a third job.
0: Yeah, my intentions were well. Yes. So anyway, we're at my parents' house. We're we're having dinner, and my sister's giving Cruz a bath. And he's, uh, you know, he's just under one. Wild. wild. Yeah, he's out of control. I mean, we had to break him like a wild horse yes. uh, between the ages of one and Five. 16. He spent <laughs> most of
1: his time in the corner.
0: He did. Most. Well, and you just got, I mean, you're not supposed to whip your kids anymore, but I guess back then you could because we got away with it. But that kid, great kid today. Back then we didn't know if right. either he was going to make it or we were going to make it.
1: We tried all parenting methods with we
0: him. We read all the books, but. But she was, uh, she was giving him a bath, and all of a sudden I hear a scream. And yes. she yells for me, Nick, get in here, quick. And I run back there. And she is holding our little boy in her arms, and, and uh, blood is just streaming from his head, and it's spider webbing across his face and down his chest. And the, and the water in his wet hair from the bath was going into that open cut and thinning it out. So, I mean, it was just like a horrific sight. And I grabbed him and you immediately were, were, you were right behind me and you grabbed him out of my arms and, and, and you, you lay him down on the carpet and he is just screaming his eyes out and, and you inspect that cut because you're a nurse. You Mm -hmm. knew a little bit about this. Mm -hmm. You're working in a plastic surgeon's office at the time, weren't you? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
0: And you said, Nick, this cut is not that bad. And it was right below the eyebrow. Like, right on that tender skin. He had slapped his head against the Mm -hmm. side of the bathtub. Yep, on that orbital rim. What'd you say?
1: Oh, sorry. No, give
0: me that. There was a scientific term there. (laughs) On the
1: orbital rim, the
0: orbit bone. The orbital rim. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. Good grief. Um, But yeah, he sliced his head open on the orbital rim. (laughs) And you looked at me and you said, Nick, this cut's not that bad, but if we don't go to the emergency room and get a plastic surgeon to stitch it up, he's going to have a scar.
1: Yes.
0: And I remember thinking, emergency room, plastic surgeon, stitches, scar. And I said, babe, chicks dig scars. <laughs> <laughs> you did not laugh then. I did then. not like
1: that comment. You
0: did not laugh then. And and I will, I will stop right here, and, and we both, we've talked about this, but, yes. you know, there's some horrible things that happen to kids. And and, and and I thank God we don't have one of those stories to tell. And and there's some of you listening that are like, a cut on the eye, what a minor thing. And it is, it is, I'll be honest with you. Right. But you know, to a new parent, for us, this was a big deal. Um, and I don't think it had near as much to do with the cut on the eye as it did just where we were in our stage of life. And, right, it
1: was all of that. And
0: everything that was going on. But But some of you out there have got... Real stories yes. of pain, uh, and and you know, I thank God I don't have one of those stories. But I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss what what somebody might be going through. No, no. Because this all. this is minor, and I get that, right? But yeah. at that night, it did not seem very minor. No. And we we left out we left out with uh, with my parents, mm-hmm. and we headed for the emergency room. Yes. And. We had health insurance back then, but it wasn't very good. Uh, I mean, I knew this was going to cost us at least a thousand dollars.
1: And it was a night on a weekend.
0: Of course, that's High the only. Time. It's, it's I can't believe it wasn't Easter. I mean, the <laughs> only thing happens when there's a holiday. Yeah. And and we went to Urgent Care first. Yes. And Urgent Care is like, yeah, it's too close to the eye. We can't stitch it up. You need to go to the emergency room. And
1: they'll have to call a plastic surgeon. Yeah. Yeah,
0: they'll get a plastic surgeon in there and stitch it. And it's like, oh my goodness. Of course, I'm seeing. Dollar signs, dollar signs and, you know. Yes. At that moment, we had we had we had committed. We were not getting back into debt, right? Because we had gone through bankruptcy and with the restaurant business and all of that. It was just that was a traumatic experience as well. And so I I remember driving to Mercy Hospital there on the north side of Oklahoma City, and I remember, remember I I'm going to have to make a tough decision because at the end of tonight. Um, we're either going to be broke or we're going to be in debt. That was our only two options. Yes. Right. And, I mean, have you ever gone through a situation and you know, whew, this is going to take a tough decision? Because I just remember that. And by now, Cruz was asleep in the car seat.
1: Yes.
0: And bleeding was stopped. Yes. And, and, and at Mercy, the, the emergency room's on the on the south side of the hospital and the entrance on the north side. and. And uh, is that right? Is it on the south side? Kinda? It's all changed. Yeah, yeah it has. It's been too long. It's been a lot of years. That's been uh, well, It's been 16 years. And I remember I pulled into the parking spot underneath a, a lamppost. Everything's dark. It's late. Back of
1: the parking lot.
0: And I remember I pulled in that spot, and I just put the car in park. And, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but if I remember this, you, you look at me, and you said, what are we doing? Yes. I mean, you are almost put off. And you said, we need to get in there. We're going to be here all night the way it is. Let's get in there and get this over with. Yes. And. uh, I'm sorry. No. (laughs) That was who I married. No, that's that's just how it was. And, And I remember I looked at you and I said, sweetheart, we can't do this. And you had this look of shock on your face. And you said, we can't do what? And I said, Trina, we can't afford to go in that. Emergency room. And you said, what do you expect us to do? And I said, I said, I said, you're a nurse. I said, let's go to the drugstore and let's get everything we need to fix this cut ourselves. But we can't afford to go in there. And you had, you had, I remember the light was coming off the, the parking lot lamppost and and it was shining on your face. And I could just see tears just rolling down your cheeks and, Mm -hmm. uh. He just had this look of disgust oh. on your face. <laughs> I told you this was tough.
1: I don't enjoy this And
0: now, uh, And you looked at me in the most sober tone you've ever spoke to me before in your life. And you said, Nick, you are failing your family as a provider. You remember that?
1: Ouch. Yes. And the hard part for me and I've met many of you but you don't know me and I'm very quiet I'm very reserved I know you now I turtleize things I don't speak a lot of words I just don't and I felt like I needed to say it but I didn't want to say it but then all at once it came out that was just a hard moment But it was true. It was. You were providing in a lot of ways. Oh,
0: gosh. That's such a crap answer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is. But
1: financially?
0: You're just such a sweet person. But that, yeah. No, I was a failure. And I was failing my duty as a provider. And I think there's a lot of guys out there that can relate to that. The pressure to provide... mean we carry that and and Mm -hmm. if we don't carry it shame on us right and I mean but I'm thankful I'm grateful that you had the courage to have that conversation with me Hmm. because I mean that showed how much you love me because you know you you probably should have just packed your bags and left no no
1: but that was a big that was the turning point big turning point I should say in our journey
0: I, th- I think it was you know because we left there. I mean we took a very quiet ride to the drugstore. yes and yes. you went in and you you got everything we needed to fix that cut. you got um, gauze and band-aids and stair strips and super glue mm-hmm. you even bought a stapler I didn't know. <laughs> you didn't no, really no you didn't okay. I told you to you still didn't appreciate that joke. I've got a pretty good sense of humor, but my timing is usually Hmm. pretty bad. (laughs) But, and then we went home, and do you remember patching him up? Yes. How did I don't even know if we can say this on on a podcast. I've never shared this with an audience, because I've told this story.
1: Yeah. Do
0: you remember how we held him down? Car seat. Yeah.
1: Kept him strapped in. We
0: strapped him in his car seat. I tucked his arms underneath the straps.
1: Mm.
0: We tightened it up.
1: Because he was such a fighter. He
0: was such a fighter. And someday we're going to have to tell the roly-poly story. Oh. I don't know how that has anything to do with life, but that kid shoved a dozen roly-polies up his nose when he was about that age. Yes. It's a different story. But no, we were worried about the super glue. Yes, I
1: was getting in his
0: eye. The band-aid glue getting in his eye. So we strapped him in the car seat, Mm
1: -hmm. and then I
0: held him upside down. Oh. You remember that? No. So that it would drip away the gravity would pull oh, the super pull glue away. into his eyebrow, not into his eyeball. Oh.
1: That's pretty smart.
0: Well, you know, I'm a problem solver. <laughs> but But you patched him up. Yes. And all I remember is that you, you guys both cried yourself to sleep mm. that night. And uh that was tough to hear,
1: hmm
0: and I remember I sat in the uh I sat in my office and i I could not sleep and yeah you yeah know, I was given like a total assessment of like how did we get here and what am I doing, why am I such a failure and and that's when I heard like the voice of my father and have you ever had a situation where like someone said something to you, but it didn't ring true till years later? because it was in that moment in the quiet of my office that I hear my father's voice. And, and he said, Nick, if you're going to do something, you got to go all in. Mm. You got to go all in. You can't hold anything back. I and mean, he always told my brother, Brandon, I he said, don't, don't get in a fight. Avoid getting in a fight at all costs. But he said, if you've got to get in a fight, there can be no question who won the fight. He said, You you beat that person so they never want to fight you again. You go all in. <laughs> and that was just his attitude. And I looked back at my career and I realized that ever since our bankruptcy, ever since going broke, and I've been afraid to fail. Mm. I just. I never was really trying. I was I was dipping one toe in the water, and if I got any resistance, any any feedback that wasn't positive, I, I would jump out and I would go do something else. And, and I just bounced around. And, mm-hmm. and you could see that in people, but boy, I couldn't see it in myself to that moment. And I remember that night, I drew a line in the sand and I said, no more. From this day forward, I'm all in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if I fail, I fail. And, and if I succeed, I'll succeed, but I'm no longer going to sit on the sidelines in fear of what might happen. And there was an idea that I had and it was gonna take it was gonna take partners I didn't know, it was gonna take money I didn't have. And there's a very short window mm-hmm. for this business to work, because there's some tax credit things going on. This was the end of the year.
1: Okay.
0: I wanna say this thing happened with Cruz probably on October would be my guess.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and we jumped in that business and we created a phenomenal income in less than ninety days. Mm-hmm. And it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. And it's not because I'm so smart, because I'm not. And that business didn't work because I was the only one that saw the opportunity, because I think everybody saw that opportunity. But I think one of the real reasons that worked is because for the first time in my life, I was was not going to let the fear of failure stop me. Mm -hmm. It's not that I wasn't afraid. I was deathly afraid. But I went all in. And I I left it all out there. What do you remember about that, that night that maybe I didn't experience or see?
1: Just the wondering. Wondering what was... I knew this was a turning point, but for what? Yeah. Quitting? Or...
0: Going all in. Because, I mean, at that point, you probably thrown your hands up and said, I can't do it for him. Yes. After hearing that story out loud, that's kind of a depressing story. It is. It's pretty heavy. Yes. And Chris yeah. doesn't have a scar. No. Hey, you did I a good job. all
1: get out. Thank you. But what is the takeaway from that?
0: Well, I think we let fear hold us back. I think there's a lot of people out there that could do more. That could be more. I think there's a lot of us out there that have this feeling, this this question of what if, well, what if I try it and it works and or what if I try it and it doesn't work? You know, I, I think there's a lot of I think I think we let fear stop us. I mean, how long have I wanted to do a podcast?
1: Well, I've wanted you to do one for a very long time.
0: Well, yes. But I usually don't take ideas that you come up with. I usually have to. It's like Carl or Mark or right. David. Somebody else has to say it. and Then yes. I come back and say, hey, David had a brilliant idea.
1: Thought, That's a great idea. You will <laughs> never
0: believe what Carl said. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wow, that guy's really smart. Right. And you're over there biting your lip.
1: It's great. Yeah. It's great
0: good but yeah I think that's the takeaway don't, don't let fear stop you. you know, it's not don't be afraid because you're going to be afraid yes but don't let fear stop you
1: and like you said the, the we call it the cruise cut story you know it was a big deal to us it was a the financial piece the, the stage of life we were in but everyone has a story of that time in their life or most people do Maybe they haven't verbalized it or discussed it with their spouse spouse or their close friends, but that turning point of what's next, you know? Yeah. And like for you, the drawing the line in the stand and moving forward no matter what. And you did. You worked so many hours Mm -hmm. on the next thing. That was a bridge to the next thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yes. Well, I'm very
0: proud of you. Well, thank you. That's what I was looking for. That's the only reason I'm doing this podcast (laughs) is to get your praise. Oh. So what should we talk about next time?
1: Well, I think you should tell the San Francisco story.
0: I think that one's harder than this one. It is. All right.
1: But there's people that need to hear it. So next time.
0: That's what we'll do. Okay. All right, guys. Till next time. Take care.